The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out and fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and then head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from Mile High. The best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend, having a good time when the orange and blue WIN. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you go over and use that promo code DNVR20, as as Zach calls it, the magical promo code. You can try it there. You can maybe just walk up to the register at like Target and just say DNVR20. See what happens. (laughs) Maybe you get 20% off. But it definitely works at The Green Solution and at Strava, who is the presenting sponsor of this podcast. And boys, 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 do you hear that? hear that sound it's a little bit of smoldering because there is some smoke emerging around the name drew lock are you saying that it's the puffs of white smoke or the puffs of gray smoke it's more the gray smoke i think because we don't have a new pope yet as it were we might though the pope is coming maybe by the end of the week we'll start seeing the white smoke (laughs) coming from the chimney our lord and savior is close Ah! Wow. Zach taking it to another level already. (laughs) Here's the thing. Vic Fangio today, for the first time, did not pull out a shotgun and shoot down the name Drew Locke when it was floated out in front of him (laughs) like a clay pigeon. He just let it go. And he he let us run with it a little bit. He gave us a crumb, which is all we asked for. We just want a crumb. He gave us a crumb. And he said, it is a possibility that Drew Locke will start on Sunday. Possibly. That's his word. That's a little bit of the John Fox, you can consider everything or you can consider nothing. You know what this but is? It's possible. Now, there was no, now, now there's hope, but there's also the possibility that they don't even bring Drew Locke off IR this week. I can't he even. wouldn't dismiss that either. Has that ever been a thing? Has it ever been a possibility that a guy might stay on IR, might be the backup, or might be the starter all in the same week? It's insane. It is insane. And this situation reminds me of the right now. Whenever a coach says right now, you know exactly where this is going, whether it's a guy being a starter coming off of IR. And right now, we know what's going to happen. Vic didn't say it today, but this is a situation where when you leave the door open a little bit, which this door is left wide open, not even a little bit, but when it's left open a little bit by saying right now about a player, it means it's going to happen. Well, Vic Fangio just left the door open. We're just waiting for Drew Locke to walk right through. I think the one regret that I have, and RK, I think you mentioned this as well, as the press conference ended, I'm like, I should have asked about Brett Rippon. <laughs> should have. Oh, yeah, Brett. There's a chance he could be uh, the starter. There's a chance he could be the backup. There's a chance he could be traded, and there's a chance that he could be cut. 
that's the consider everything uh, <laughs> or consider <laughs> nothing. Oh, well, you know, Vic Fangio was around John Fox for three years. It would stand to reason that perhaps some of John Fox's nebulous style in terms of answering questions would rub off. It's true on old Vic. It's true, but this feels a little different. And what I would say about this is, and this is purely speculation. I feel like I have to say that sometimes. This is purely <laughs> speculation. But it felt like Vic um, was working with some, some powers that are a little above his pay grade. It felt like maybe he's saying like, yeah, this conversation is yet to be settled. Uh, there's still, you know, more that goes to this. And we've talked about this. I mean, Mace, you did some quick math that said, you know, there's 15 to 20,000 no-shows at the game. Mm -hmm. That's $500,000 that go out the window, not because of the tickets, but because of the concessions, the parking, all of that. Yeah, it's unsold sweatshirts. Hey, you, you want to have a home game on Black Friday weekend because you know what? People are going to walk in. They're in the gift-buying mode and say, oh, you know, that sweatshirt, my – my cousin Bobby would love to have that. Here's 50 bucks for a hoodie that I'll take home with me and I'll wrap that night. All these things come into play. Every person that does not come into the building is lost revenue, even though the ticket has been paid for. And when you're looking at a Sunday with an expected weather forecast of, I believe I saw 25 degrees for the yep. high temperature, yep. you've got to give people a damn good reason to show up at the stadium for the game. And Brandon Allen after the last three games of declining results, clearly showing that he's that AAA picture called up for a spot start who faded when the book started getting written on him. Brandon Allen isn't going to move the needle to get people through those turnstiles. Yeah, you should be able to get a good Black Friday sale on Brandon Allen jerseys at the oh stadium on Sunday. <laughs> but Ryan, uh, Well, so real quick, this poll just ended that I ran yesterday. 1,500 votes. The question was, will Drew Locke starting or not starting impact your decision to go or not go? Of 1,500 people, 71% said, yes, that will impact my decision to go. Now, and the Broncos know that. And that reflects conversations I've had with some season ticket holders I know over the last month or so. It's, it's the truth. I mean, it's, it's the difference between – a ton of excitement around the game and almost none. A hundred percent. But Ryan, you laid out a possibility that there's a conversation and you said how one side wants Drew Locke to play. Who's the other side? Who do you think is the other side? And why is there another side to this? Why is this? does this have to wait until Wednesday before it's announced or later in the week before it's announced why is this so difficult? I wonder if the other side... I thought he was asking me. Oh, sorry. I thought... <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was open. <laughs> I wonder if the other side is kind of within the coaching staff. I mean, I we know talk about Vic Fangio, but Vic Fangio has gotten up there and said that he's not particularly worried about the notion of a quarterback being scarred by early play, saying, hey, if he's scarred, he's not the right guy. So I would say maybe the other side of this is probably the Rich Gangarello, Bingo. T.C. McCartney cluster, the ones that work with Drew Locke on a more regular basis, and especially Rich Gangarello, who certainly wants the offense to look a certain way, is a practitioner of and a believer in the Shanahan scheme going back to the days of Mike Shanahan, really. That's when he first started diving into it, and... 
I think that's where the questions start arising as to whether Drew Locke is ready. Now, Vic Fangio did say on radio this morning that Drew Locke's readiness is, or potential lack thereof, has nothing to do with his ability to mentally to mentally handle things, his intelligence. That, I thought, was interesting. It's Rich Gangarello. Rich Gangarello is yeah. the other side of the conversation. And I'm not trying to paint him as the villain here. But he said he doesn't want guys to play early. Exactly. He, says, he actually said the number one most important thing for a quarterback <laughs> is to not play too soon. Now, that doesn't mean that's correct. But that is his philosophy on it. And again, I don't, I'm not trying to paint him as the villain. I actually think he, he's taking a noble stance here. He wants to do what's best for Drew Locke. But as I laid out on the podcast yesterday, unfortunately for Drew, it's not really about what's best for Drew. It's about what's best for the Denver Broncos organization. And that, those are the decisions. Vic Fangio has to make the decision that's best for the Broncos organization. John Elway and Joe Ellis, they all serve upwards. Rich Gangrello, his job actually is to do what's best for the player. He is he is a position he, you know, he's a coordinator and a position coach. His job is to look after those guys. The problem is his his opinion in this matter holds a lot less weight than all of those other people. I think Vic Fangio is kind of somewhere in the middle. He's probably a little bit over Brandon Allen after having to watch what we all had to watch on Sunday. So I think he might even be leaning towards Drew Locke. But there is one person who's trying to be the voice of reason here saying, Hold on, if you want this guy to be the future you got to slow down. And I have one thing to say to Rich Scangarello. Open your eyes! (laughs) Did you watch what happened yesterday? It is time to move on. I totally understand that perspective, but Ryan, it's what you said at the very end. Rich Scangarello is the smallest ant in this when you have, you know, queen and king ants kinging up or, or grouping up on him. It's impressive that he made this decision go into Wednesday. The other thing on, on Scangarello is maybe if he doesn't think that Locke can be ready, but it's the assistant coach's job to get a young guy ready to play. He's already got quite a few red flags on the, uh, the first-year resume. Too. Right, and it's also his job to modify things so that said young quarterback can handle it. And he did modify some things for Brandon Allen. Back in that first start, caught the Browns by surprise. Doing it for Drew Locke and giving him a base on which he can build and be successful probably requires changing some more points of emphasis in the offense that I don't know if Scangarello is particularly inclined to change because he does want the offense to look a certain way. And in his mind, he'd like to see Drew Locke run this offense as it's designed. Well, the better way to go about it, I think, is to give Locke something that he can work with that plays to his strengths and then gradually expand on those concepts week by week by week, introduce a little more, and play the long game with him. It gives you the best chance for short-term success and long-term success as well. I think it's time. I think we finally reached it. We finally made it to Drew Locke's season, to Drew Sember, to Locke's giving We've made it, boys. It was a long, tumultuous road, but I think we're here. I think that Rich Gangarello's stance is noble. I think that he does have Drew's best interest in mind, and I think that when push comes to shove, there's going to be someone that comes into Vic Fangio's office and says, we're going with Locke, and he's going to have to oblige. Play the kid. Unless he wants to pull Gary Kubiak and say, okay. (laughs) You keep saying, I think, I think, I think. In my head, I'm there. 
I'm, I'm not even thinking. I mean, I've already had, you know, I already have the story typed out in my head of what's what it's going to be on Wednesday when Vic Fangio says it. To me, it's a given. Am I wrong? Should I be I tempering those expectations I, a bit? I am. I'm uh, employing some emotional protection here. Smart. I don't Smart. because I've already had a meltdown on this podcast on this topic. <laughs> I'm trying to save myself from seeing a quote or hearing a quote on Wednesday that says we met as a staff and we decided it's the best right now to stick with Brandon Allen and just oh. losing my mind. Like, <laughs> I've already lost my mind once. I, I can't afford to do this. It's too many not just you Broncos country. I think will lose its collective minds. If Brandon Allen is thrown out there and the- again, I mean, literally you just had the worst offensive performance for this team in 27 years. And a decent amount of it was at the feet of That's my the quarterback. Life. Where do you go from there? I mean, you literally can't do any worse. What are you clinging to? Again, it's the it's the cockfight at three thirty in the morning, as Elaine Bennis once said. This is where you are. There's nowhere to go but up. You you're at rock bottom offensively. There's no reason not to make a change here. Yeah, except for that protection of Drew Lock. But again, I think all of us are of the belief that Drew Lock can handle this. He's not a little baby. He's a grown man. He had a similar situation at Mizzou as a freshman. The offensive line was besieged by injuries. He got pushed out there before anybody expected him to, before any plan was in place. And it was rough for a while. But the thing about Drew Locke that sticks with me from that season is that he never got phased by it. He's taking hits. His accuracy wasn't always there, but his confidence was completely unaffected. By the end of the season, you've got a campus in chaos with protests going on. Gary Pinkle, the longtime coach, announces he's going to be retiring because of the lymphoma that he was dealing with. Everything is just burning around him, and Drew Locke was the guy who was kind of the stable presence, and he did that as a freshman. With like a swoopy long hair, a little baby face. He looks like he was. He looked like he was fourteen. As a Mizzou enthusiast, I'll always remember that game against BYU in Kansas City that no one gave him a chance of winning, and he found a way. It wasn't elegant, but he found a way, and part of that was because he was completely unruffled by everything around him. So I don't think this is going to affect his confidence. I don't think anything he experiences is going to affect his confidence going forward if he fails it won't be because he's mentally beaten it'll be because he just wasn't good enough let me ask you this and this is a damned if you do damned if you don't question for the broncos are they making this decision based on public outcry well vic fangio had a quite an interesting answer to that he said no we're we're doing whatever is the best for the team but we're also considering what you guys think and and what the fans think the fans I mean, first of all, he the said customers. your, gr- uh, he yeah, said your, your group, group <laughs> as if we're, like, we're all on a, some Teaming team together. Up, we have Drew Locke signs yeah, in there. Yeah, like, first team. of all, don't... Team media, that's what we are. Don't put me in with some of those others. Um, that you was my say. first takeaway. Uh, my second takeaway was they feel this, yeah. which is interesting. I, I think if I was a coach, I would want to have like full-on blinders. I don't think I would want to know what the fans were thinking or saying or doing. Um, Now, I think you do need to have someone somewhere who is, you know, keeping track of this stuff. But I really felt like they can feel this. And I'll be honest, 
I'm going to be happy when they announce Drew Locke as the starter. But I'm also going to kind of squint an eye being like, that's all it took. We just had to yell and scream for a few <laughs> weeks. And then you guys just, you know, caved in. Because it, it feels like to me that if they do make this decision, it is based on a, a reaction to the public. Maybe they read our work. Listen to us. Our clips are passed along. Because I mean, if if we just <laughs> get, like if we all we have to do is what are we in week? What are we going into week? What? Thirteen. Right, so we started yelling 13. about this in week six. Yep. If all we got to do is yell about something for seven weeks, we can get a lot done <laughs> around if, here. If your group, aka yeah. us, complains enough, so I guess it. we haven't yelled loud enough about Garrett Bowles, huh? They're trying. They're trying. They just need He's, one thing to fall in place well, in no, order but the for point, Garrett Bowles to see the sideline. The line. point being, at some, there had to have been some juncture where you could have just put Jake Rogers out there for a series and hoped and prayed for the best just to allow Garrett Bowles to stand with Mike Munchak for possession and they were very, see something different. They were just anti that idea. That's the difference. Um, Drew Locke is a second-round pick. Yes. And here's the other thing. They, they want to bench Garrett Bowles like – all they like they've just been waiting like the I think when Juwan, what was the game that Juwan James played last? It was the playing? Colts and they got into the second quarter and they had not shuffled the offensive line to get Bowles out of there. I think they snaps. were just waiting for him to mess well, mess something up. And once that happened is when they were going to pull him. So when he was on the ground getting bowled over, holding someone. Wasn't was Juwan, Juwan James was Juwan still James in there? out of the game then? I, th- I think, I think Juwan out. James was still in there. <laughs> Wait, wasn't know. that like end of the first quarter? Oh, It was right around the time I think Juwan got hurt. I don't know if it's Might have been the same play. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> oh, man. And that was Joe Flacco's last game. I th- is, that a, uh, is that a segue to the next interesting thing we heard today? Yep. Which was... Drew Locke. No. Drew Locke <laughs> is going to start now. Uh... Juwan James, Vic Fangio, uh, using some I what I believe were carefully chosen words, and not for the first time here. He is trying to convey a message to our group and the people <laughs> that we then convey messages to. Um, and that is what, Zach? It's that Juwan James is like Charmin. Ouch. Soft. Soft. That's the message that I get from Vic when he talks about Juwan James every single Monday for the past how many weeks? Well, he's been healthy ever since the bye. The last week in which he did not practice was the Browns week after he re-aggravated the knee injury. But what is interesting, Zach, last week, Ron Leary didn't practice one day. Connor McGovern did not practice two days. Dalton Reiser did not practice two days. Juwan James practiced all the way through the week. Yep. Which one of those did not play? Juwan James. And he's been physically cleared. He's physically fine. As Vic Fangio said, it's about being emotionally and mentally ready. What is interesting is that he had already mentioned the emotional and mental readiness component in talking about Drew Locke. Now, we're talking about two different sets of circumstances, of course, but with Jawan James, maybe there's a concern with James about aggravating the knee injury. There's Vic Fangio allude to the fact that maybe he got forced out there a little bit too soon, perhaps when he was put in there for the Colts game, but... Can you recall a player 
that has lingered in this ether for that long, practicing but not playing somebody that you expect to start. This is now going on the third consecutive week in which he, he's been cleared. He's physically fine, taking, but he's not going to go out there, but he may not go out there and play. Yeah, Mace, taking the, the human perspective of this and not just treating them like they're, that they're pawns, the human perspective of me says, if he's not ready, then I understand that. But he is ready. He's been medically cleared for weeks. And me, when I'm in high school, when I was in high school playing football, if I'm practicing, if I have to go through the awful practices every single day throughout the week, you bet I'm playing in the game. Hey, if I'm not practicing, that, then I understand it. If I'm not playing, but what? I don't understand. Just does the guy hate football? Because if he even likes it, if he's going through the practices, which are awful, at least for me, I hated the practices, I'm playing on game day. So it just doesn't add up from just like a human perspective either. How, how much were you paid for those practices? I was I was paid in my own blood, sweat, and tears. There you go. <laughs> and Jawan James is getting paid handsomely to go out there and practice. Sometimes, guys, you go and work, and it's just a job, and it's a way to earn money. I mean, we're fortunate to have positions about which we're passionate here, and we get a chance to indulge that passion and get paid for it. But some jobs are just jobs, even if they're extraordinarily extraordinarily lucrative, like Jawan James's. I, I don't want to sit here and assail his passion, but there's something missing in him if he can't get himself emotionally and mentally ready to get back out there. I mean, how many of us, and I'm speaking for you listening as well, at some point in our lives had a coach or a teacher that gave us that kick in the ass. You're not in the mood? Well, you get in the mood. Mm -hmm. I was thrown down a little hill by a coach. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, the imagery there is really good. Um, you're right. and I, But I also want to give Juwan a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, which is like, man, that's got to be tough. Like, he has this injury-prone label attached to him. Well, he's hurt every other year. He's hurt every other year. He went out there in the first game and got hurt after already having this label attached to him. He finally comes back. Clearly, he was um, – Someone put, you know, their hand on his back and said, eh, time to go play. <laughs> he goes out there and gets hurt again instantly. And so I am trying to feel for him as a human where he says, like, man, this is so taxing. Like, think about – I always think about Jake Butt. Like, what he's gone through, man, that sucks. Totally sucks. Every time you finally get out there and you've worked, you put all this work into it and all this rehab and you're, you're not really a part of the team – and then you finally come back and then you get hurt again. And like it's this vicious cycle that probably messes with you mentally, physically, emotionally, all of these things. So I do give him a little bit of understanding where I say, man, this has got to be difficult. But, and this is a huge but, you are getting paid upwards of $15 million to do this job. It's just part of what comes with it. You got to go out there and you got to play and you got to hope you don't get hurt again. You, you absolutely do. And here's the thing for the Broncos now. 
is they're in a very tight spot with this because it doesn't matter if he plays the rest of the year. Not really. Would you like to see what happens if Garrett Bowles is benched? Sure. Does it really matter for this this year? I don't think so personally. But next year, he's tied up again in this contract, and you have $19 million in dead cap next year. So he's on your team next year. We know he's the right tackle of the team. What if this happens again? Well, whether it's a knee, whether it's something else, and 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 you have Drew Lock in or a first round quarterback, and you actually want really want to protect them, then you're just in such a bad spot, and there's nothing you can do because you signed to this contract. Well, there are two elements to this. Number one, Juwan James is your penciled in starter at right tackle for 2020, but you make sure that a you've got a viable backup option. Remember. For example, Alan Barber a couple of years ago, a veteran that you bring in and he can start and he can hold down the 40s. Not great, but at least he's capable. You bring in somebody like that as a backup. I think Elijah Wilkinson, what we're seeing with him is he's a guard who's playing tackle. And it's a little bit unfair to him. And you start planning your 2021 around Jawan James not being on your team. And Mace, that'll cost you $6 million in dead cap, but that's certainly manageable, whereas $19 million isn't. And the other thing you can do at right tackle, you can take a mid-round right tackle with one of those third or fourth round picks and develop him for a year. He can be inactive, and you can see where he goes and see whether he's ready by 2021 or not or you're back in the free agent market. I think you want to actually develop somebody there for that spot. So I would look at that as yet another long-term need for the Broncos as they go into the draft. But the one thing about Mike Munchak, and even this blocking scheme as well, gentlemen, is that you can find viable components to help you out from the mid to even late rounds, and even the undrafted pile. Some of Mike Munchak's best success stories are guys who came from that area and had a chance to develop. And so I think you're kind of looking ahead, and if you pick a right tackle in the middle rounds next year, it's with an eye to 2021 and Juwan James not being back. Mason Ryan, it's such a shame that after the Broncos went out and made Juwan James the highest-paid right tackle ever at the time they signed him, that we have to talk about, oh, now the Broncos, in order to help that position, they need to go spend money on a, on a high-end backup or they need to go use a mid-round draft pick. We should never be having this conversation when you go out and spend that type of money. Here's the problem is this is what happens when you make moves out of desperation. Sorry, but you drafted Paxton Lynch. Why? Because you were desperate. Because the best thing you had in the stable was Mark Sanchez and everyone was losing their minds when you made that move. So then you panicked and you drafted Paxton Lynch. Well, you can't get the right tackle situation figured out, and you miss out on a few options, and you get these mid-tier free agents, and you're like, well, that's not working. All right, we got to get the best free agent we can there. Well, then you have to overpay. And so then you overpaid out of desperation, and exactly what, you know, if, if there was someone who was paid to advise you on whether or not to do something, you know, they're just a completely non-biased observer. They would have said, hey, good player, just so you know, very injury prone. And guess what? He's coming up on one of the years that uh, historically tells you he gets injured. Guess what? That's exactly what happens. And now it looks silly. And maybe next year he has a great year. And you, f- you feel better about it. But, I mean, this is what happens when you get desperate. Don't get deceived by next year, though. Let's say he comes out and he's terrific. 
you still have to look at the overall trend of he has that injury every other other year. Quite frankly, guys, if Juwan James plays well next year, I'm trying to trade him. Mm. Trade while the value is high. Get something back. I mean, you talk about leaky boat syndrome. (laughs) That's exactly what this is. Like, you can never plug these holes. uh, Every time something else comes up, you think you plugged one, then you go over to fix another one. Oh, that one sprung a leak again. It's like, it's just. It's an all too common affliction of bad teams. All right. Well, first of all, a programming note Zach has to get out of here, so we're going to let him run. I love you guys. Thank you. Uh, Mace and I will get you through the question. So, uh, Zach. Drive safely. Thank you. We'll oh, everybody boy. stay safe tonight. Oh, man. Yeah, we I'm I'm a little nervous coming. about that airport pickup I've got my parents tonight. What time? 10.15. Just for people who <sighs> don't live in Denver and aren't following the weather, in just a couple hours we're supposed to be hit with uh, a pretty big storm. They're saying anywhere from 8 to 16 inches, which I say, can't you give us a little better range to that? Uh, um, but It's like, you know, <laughs> we'll come to service your house sometime between 8 and 12 p.m. Right, You're right. like, what? Or 8, uh, 8 and midnight. Right, exactly. 8 a.m. and midnight. And uh, I read one weather report that said in parts of tomorrow it's going to be impossible to drive. That's just, they're just trying to scare you. It always works on you, too. They're just trying to scare you. Hey, I actually missed an arena football game I was supposed to cover Years ago, it was actually on Easter Sunday, a Colorado Crush game, because down at uh, my apartment, I lived down near the Broncos facility at the time. It was whiteout conditions, and I'd turn around and go back. (laughs) Wow. I've never experienced that in my life. I've been in uh, whiteout on I-70, and that was really scary. I'll admit that. But Coming from Wyoming? No, no, going um, On I-70 from Wyoming? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. Mace has said in his entire time covering the team, the Broncos have never canceled a mid-season media. In-season media availability, yep. They've canceled off-season availabilities for snow. Due to something called the bomb cyclone Mm -hmm. that, of course, we have. Is this a bomb cyclone? (laughs) What is this? This is just just a badass snowstorm. It's an impossible-to-drive storm. It'll be fine, and we'll all be fine, (laughs) and there's no need to go to the store or anything. You're not going to be stuck in your house. Uh, (laughs) King Supers, though, was... Packed. I've never seen anything like it. I had to stop before we did the. So podcast. you went to the store. I went to the store to you get stuff to for Friendsgiving tonight. <laughs> I went to the store because I forgot chicken broth for my stuffing. Anyways, because you're getting stuffed tonight, so that you don't have to eat tomorrow, because you know you're not going to be yes, able to leave yeah, or move <laughs> in my house at all. Um, I've never seen anything. It must have been a combination of it's thanksgiving week like people woke up this morning like oh my god i have to start getting stuff ready for thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and then the snow i know there's people out there who think they need like an extra loaf of bread in the house for some (laughs) reason it was unbelievable i couldn't find a parking spot at the the one right over here which has a massive parking lot (laughs) anyways all right zach we'll let you go i'm on my way to go to the store stock up all right you get that and while you're there make sure you pick up a few breckenridge brews wanted to give a shout out to a beer that uh, we haven't talked too much about on this podcast. We talk, about, we try to talk about all of them, but we haven't mentioned the Hot Peak IPA. And Mace, do you smell that right there in a place here? It's a pine, right? It smells like the holidays. It does smell like the hot holidays. And, and the Hot Peak IPA, it's like a nice mix of citrus, a little pininess of it. If you like IPAs, you'll love the Hot Peak. And if you like any beers, you'll love everything they offer at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, we love them. We do. And you know what? I actually went on a late Saturday night run to the grocery store in Amherst, New York, because I wanted a a drink to kind of settle down and uh, relax and enjoy the 
the late football games. I so at halftime of UW CU went out, and what to my wondering eye should appear, but the Christmas ale from Breck Brew right there in Western New York on a grocery store shelf. It called to me. I bought it, and it was a lovely late evening into the overnight hours watching CU finish off the Washington Huskies. And by the way, I'm not a Jacob Eason fan. I don't know how anyone who watched that game could be a Jacob Eason fan either. I know how people could be a Buffs fan, though, and a Mel Tucker fan, and I am that. Uh, You know how people say, like, you know, if they're in, like, a long-distance relationship, they'll say, like, look out at the moon. Like, we're looking at the same moon. You know, that's, yes, that's I the do. thing that people say. No matter how far we are away, like, we can both look at the moon at the same time. That was you and me, because you and me, we're both drinking a Breckenridge beer and watching the Buffs all the way across the country from each other. Oh, he's got a little <laughs> warm and fuzzy. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's how you the, feel after you have enough Christmas ales. Yes, and the same warm and fuzzy I felt watching LaVisca. Oh, boy. God, what a baller. I'd, that was like uh, the Cortland Sutton catch yeah. against the Browns, except like 30 yards further. Yeah. That was awesome. You allow yourself to dream, even though the Broncos have a lot of items on their shopping list and may not be able to afford to go receive early. You allow yourself to dream about LaVisca and orange and blue. God, he's such a baller. All right, let's get into the questions here. Yes, let's. And the first one comes in from Missouri Bronco. He says, you guys talked about a waste of three hours. I didn't watch the game. In fact, I didn't even think to check the score until looking through Instagram more than four hours after it ended. This has never happened since I started following the Broncos in 2010. I love this team, but it's become unbearable at this point. I'm so used to success that I'm starting to feel indifferent about games. Here's hoping we don't suck for much longer before I develop apathy for the team. Sincerely, a sad Broncos fan from Missouri. But we appreciate that you're still riding with us on the podcast. Yes, exactly. Um, and someone tweeted at us yesterday after the game. It was like the post-game pods are the only thing that are still keeping me going. I really enjoyed the post-game pod when I finally listened to it this morning, by the way. I downloaded it before I got on the plane. It was and a fun one. We, we do always find a way to have fun. <laughs> this From Iceman, he, first he responds to Missouri Broncos saying, yeah, we've lost a day and a half of our lives. We will never get back. Five and a half days if you count the VJ era. I feel exactly the same way you do, kid. And a frowny face, just like Missouri Bronco had uh, with a frowny emoji to close his comment. But then Iceman chimes in with this. Hey, boys, game 11 was the same as the Raiders game one for me. The Bronx were never in danger of winning either game. After the Superchargers, it will be time for the third quarter grade to be added to the first quarter F and the second quarter C and the half season average D grade. Two days of Christmas music is one day too much. I'm with you, Ryan. I'll have to try yes. the Christmas sale now. I saw it in King Supers on Friday. Drew and or Brett must start all of these last five weeks, period. If Elway allows Vic to start Brandon again, I can't watch them anymore. I don't know if that means ever, never watching them ever again. We started 2019 at 11 and 22 in the past two years. The Bronx are now 14 and 30. They are losing a 68.2% rate since Coobs was replaced by VJ and Vic. Yes, guys, I did say Chris had lost a step on the Hill touchdown. I also said Chubb had given up on a play where he lost outside contain. You kids disagreed on both. I still love you three and DNVR and Breck Brews. Go Zoomies and Mines if they make a bowl. Fair points. Uh, yes. I don't believe in starting Brett. I don't think that does anything for anyone. But, I mean, I guess it's better than Brandon Allen. <laughs> I, I, it's just, as it, Sam Weich once said during a game, give me somebody fresh even if they're bad. 
so that's good. sort of what starting Brett Rippon would be. Uh, sadly, there's a there's an uh, a little bit to the Drew Locke idea that's the same thing at this point. Yeah, we've been we aren't victims of that, but there are people out there who are now saying, okay, all right, just give me something, anything other than Brandon out. Exactly. The reason to me you start Drew Locke is not because it's someone else. It's it's someone else that has some potential, has some high-end tools, but you need to start finding out if those tools are going to translate, especially when you're probably looking at another top 10 draft pick in a draft class of Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and Justin Herbert. That's why. You're evaluating him against those guys who might be a bit available there and even later in the first round, early in the second round, to a guy like Jalen Hurts, for example. I'll let you take the next one here, too. Of course, because it's my friend, the Count. You gents should have just gone home after the game. Amen. No post-game reaction needed. This is a soup gone awry. No amount or combination of seasoning seems to fix it. Win now, John? This is shameful. Our lead wide receiver had one catch for 27 yards. We put three points on the board. Three! We have one bright spot. A.J. Johnson is playing out of his mind. The rest of the team is playing at 75% of capacity. I am sick. That's all. Love the count. The soup gone awry reminds me of one of the cooking experiments that we had in our kitchen many years ago. It's when my eventual wife and I, we were dating, and she had this recipe for beer cheese soup. Okay. But it was sort of a lower cow, lower fat version. Let's try it. Let's see if it's good. I, I already know. There, there's your first problem. Beer cheese soup <laughs> it's is not, not, good. For the, it's not for the dieting eater. No, it's not. But I said, hey, let's give it a shot. Why not? I'm open to new things. But we were in the dating stage where... <laughs> even if it's bad you're like oh no it's good and then she tastes it and then she doesn't like it and i'm still trying to sell it as good and then can you give me a, like a slight breakdown of what it tasted like dirty socks <laughs> <laughs> we never made that recipe again <laughs> um he said something interesting here though you guys should have just gone home after the game no post game reaction needed Honestly, for one of the first times ever, like <laughs> that's how I felt too. I was like, no one wants to hear about this. No, there's no, there's nothing interesting from this game. And obviously, it's not like that wasn't an actual option for me. But I've never felt so disinterested in a Broncos game in my life. And I always say, the Broncos always stay interesting. And yesterday was the first time I couldn't. There's no way you could say that was interesting. And it's also one of the huge, big, big reasons why I think we are so close to Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. This team always finds a way to stay interesting. If you start Brandon Allen this week, there is no interest. And we were sort of having the conversation on text message. What do we write about here? And I said, look, I mean, I'm going to write about how it's time for Drew Locke. I don't want to see Brandon Allen anymore because there's really nothing else out of this game that matters. I mean, I thought it was nice that Dalton Reisner got up in the locker room and took accountability for a penalty that I would say was ticky-tack at best. But he didn't get up there and pull the act of, oh, it's you know, it's on the refs, uh, they're, they're picking on me. No, he didn't do that. So yet another positive checkmark for Dalton Reisner. He's playing hurt, playing on a bum ankle. He gets a penalty, but he takes responsibility for it, even though 
I thought it was really kind of it was a terrible call. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean kind when I say ticky tack, but there wasn't much, and it it was like it it was like we'll it, never remember this hmm. game. We'll re- just, we will only remember so how bad the offense you. was. I shouldn't say you. Uh. No, I will. The fact that when I got back up to the locker room uh, or up to the press box from the locker room and I immediately started kind of number crunching on it because I'm like, this is bad, but I know there are numbers that tell me how bad this was and how bad I feel having just watched this. And we found out literally the lowest total offense tally, the lowest yards per play in 27 years of Denver Broncos football. Yep. It was just, I mean, that's the only thing that's notable about it. Otherwise, this game will just disappear into the void of as maybe the most uninteresting Broncos game ever. Buffalo fans loved it. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They were like, oh, this was our most complete performance of the season. And I thought, it was against Brandon Allen. Yeah. <laughs> they still don't, they still haven't beaten any good teams. No, and they were lucky enough to get the Titans with Mariota instead of Tannehill. By the way, the Broncos were lucky enough to get Mariota if, Tannehill plays that game all the way through. Mm. Possible the Broncos don't win that game. Maybe the Broncos are unlucky to have take uh, have seen Mariota because they just added a win to their tally. Otherwise, they'd be competing for the the number two or three overall pick right now. This is true. They they actually can't get past five this week, no matter what, what results happen. Yeah, five. I could see them locking themselves in at five. Here's the here's the fun thing. No pun intended. Yeah, here's the fun thing. I I'm just tired of talking about draft picks and stuff. And if Drew Locke plays, you're back to all right. Wins are good. Yes, because that means that Drew Locke is showing you something that these other guys aren't. And obviously Brandon won one, and and Joe Joe won two. So you hope that it's more than that. But you're back to okay. A win here is good. It means we're heading in the right direction. I want Drew Locke to succeed and have some wins if he starts these next five games because if he shows that he can be the answer, then that gives you the freedom with that likely top ten pick to go Jeff Okuda, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas. A cornerback you might have to do because you're likely losing Chris Harris Jr. or left tackle. But if Drew Locke struggles... I don't think you have the freedom to go for those positions of need. I think unless you go for the free agent score in, at quarterback, you're drafting a quarterback there. Yeah. Clearly. All right, next one here is from Lasagna Lance. He says, I'm going to start uh, writing in the comments section to help get the word out for someone, anyone who will be at the games to start the we want lock, we want lock chance. I will comment every day as a reminder until it is announced that Drew Lock is the starter. I would do it myself, but since I'm out of state, there's nothing I can do. What has more resonance and sounds better? We want Locke or we want Drew? Yeah, I Drew. I gotta say Drew probably is the one yep. to ride there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that, that pops a little more when you yell it. It's the ooh. Yep. It always works. You're sitting here wearing a shirt that's groo. Yep. There you Speaking go. Speaking of, we dropped a new uh, Nuggets shirt today. Ooh, that thing is pretty. That thing is pretty. I haven't seen it yet. And I can tell you, a little tease here, that we are in the works on a new Bronco shirt, uh, which will be awesome as well. Teaming up with a player on this one. Another player. Yes, a new player. A new player. 
As much as I say we just pop out more Philip Lindsay shirts, we're trying to diversify the portfolio here. But there are different players appeal to different people. So it's good to have a variety. Vilka, Dan, I agree with Lasagna Lance. If Locke is not named the starter this week and the offense continues to play this offensively, the we want Locke chance should be so deafening the broadcasters won't be able to avoid bringing it up. I'd love to hear it, but I won't because until Locke is named the starter, I'm not watching another down by this team. In case the Broncos have forgotten, they are in the entertainment business, and entertaining is the last thing that comes to mind when I watch football this mind-numbingly bad. And Chris Harris Jr.'s hometown discount is going to get bigger every game if he keeps playing like he has the last few games. I'm out. Chris got caught peeking on that touchdown. And here's the thing. He's a great corner. And one, if you are above a certain threshold, the market will pri- – look at Juwan James. Juwan J- Chris Harris is way better at his position than Juwan James is at his. Now, Juwan James is younger, but Chris Harris, someone is going to pay him because he is a massive upgrade from whatever they have now. Just like someone paid DeMarcus Ware when he was on the market back in 2014. It was the Broncos. Uh, Dallas had decided he wasn't worth the money anymore, but – as he went on to his third contract, the Broncos decided that he was. All it takes is one, as we will say often over the next three months. I like, I like what he said about um, they're in the entertain, entertainment business. I mean, mm-hmm. they could not have failed any harder at their job, which is to entertain yesterday. At least the Vikings game, that entertained me. That was an entertaining game. That was probably the most entertaining game the Broncos have played. Shoot. Um, Since the Cardinals game? Yeah, even though their Arizona was terrible back in 2018, that was an entertaining game. I actually thought it was the most entertaining game even since the Cowboys game week mm. two of 2017. Man, I thought that I thought they had something. Boy, after that game, that first quarter against Minnesota, I love that. I had so much fun watching how creative that offense was and how stingy and energetic they were on defense. You could, if you could bottle that up and spread it over the rest of the season, you'd be sitting there with a different outcome. But at the same time, as I can tell you from my many Tampa Bay years, even bad teams have bursts of greatness. Yep. It happens that just everything clicks, everything goes right, and for the Broncos, those bursts appear to be confined to the first half against Minnesota the first quarter against the Los Angeles Chargers. Relatively brief, and that's all. You got another one there from your boy. Oh, yes. The count is back. If it took today's game for Fangio to realize Locke should have been in there this whole time, that Flacco was gone, we need to check the CO2 levels in his house, and we probably need to boot his ass. Y'all thought VJ was bad. We are about to make Adam Rank look like a genius. He's already wrong. Yeah, the Broncos already have three wins. (laughs) This is ugly. I thought it couldn't get worse than the Kansas City game, yet it has. It can always get worse. <laughs> Love the count. That's a great uh, great thing to keep in mind there. It can always get worse. Look at Cincinnati. They put in their young quarterback, Ryan Finley, and after three games, he's getting the hook. They're going back to Andy Dalton. Although I do wonder if some of that is the fact that the Bengals are so bad. 0-11, and their offense has been so inept. Like the Broncos, they have yet to 
score more than 24 points this year. And Zach Taylor was sold as this offensive genius. It may be only year one, but I think Zach Taylor's seat is getting very warm in Cincinnati. A little self-preservation. Makes Marvin Lewis look a lot better, by the way. Who? Marvin Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Marvin, Marvin should get some interviews coming up here in the next cycle in January for head coaching hires. Um, we would be feeling a lot worse right now if the Broncos were putting this off this these offensive outputs out there and they had hired a quote-unquote young, up-and-coming offensive guy. Yeah. And, and Rich Gangrello, as he's an assistant, he's a coordinator, he was billed as up-and-coming. But what's interesting is that Rich Gangarello's offensive coordinator experience is very similar to Zach Taylor's OC experience because Zach Taylor, only a position coach with the Rams, was OC and not a very successful one in terms of the on-field results at the University of Cincinnati. Yep, yep. From True Champ Fan 24 a couple things. First, I tried getting it on three pods before this, but I kept missing the cutoff, LOL. Sorry. Get us a punter. Draft one. Sign five UDFA punters and trade for one. Get a guy who can actually punt. Field position is important. Second, okay, well, let's talk about that really quick. Is Tom McMahon the problem? Because Market King was hitting bombs before he came here. Then he came here, and obviously he was kind of a head case, but also couldn't punt anymore. And Colby Wadman's out here hitting 13-yard bloops. There's some thought of that. Market King has sort of dropped some that. hints yeah. on that on social media. Now, I wouldn't say that he's a particularly reliable source. At the same time, with Colby Wadman, because he does not have the strongest of legs, he's got to be a precision punter, and he hasn't been that. That shank in the fourth quarter. With the wind, by the way. He actually did a credible job punting into the wind. He gets the wind at his back coming from the west-southwest, basically off Lake Erie, and the thing just goes off the side of his foot. And they had the angle on the broadcast. You saw that the moment it happened, the way the ball struck his foot. And He was I, trying to kill it. Yeah. Because he thought, the wind's at my back. I, can I could get the like entire a 60 yard here. here. Yeah. And so I, be, I was thinking about punters all weekend because while I was delayed at O'Hare on Saturday, I went to Chicago uh, for a day and a half with family and then flew to Buffalo from there. I was watching the Pitt-Virginia Tech game, and one of my favorite punters, he's a junior, he may or may not come out after this year. but Hunter he, coming out early would be awesome. Michael Dixon did it. Oscar Bradburn is his name. And he's a strong punter. He's from Australia. I love those Australian Same. former converted Aussie Rules football players that learn how to punt. They've been very successful in the NFL. Yeah. Michael Dixon is one of them, for example, formerly at Texas, actually a Texas Bowl MVP, as Drew Lockett, any Mizzou fan, remembers, and now succeeding with the Seahawks. But Oscar Bradburn did something that was just amazing. Tech is punting from around midfield, and he just drops it perfectly inside the 10-yard line. It's downed, I think, about the 6-yard line. But comes back, there's a penalty. So he's got to do it again. On the re-kick, went, I think, basically within one yard of the same spot. Mm. It was unbelievable. And if you hadn't been paying attention, you would have thought it was just an instant replay. And I've, I've, I watched a lot of Virginia Tech football. My brother went to school there. 
And I've seen enough of Bradburn this year to say, that's a guy I want in orange and blue. Because he's got the strong leg, but he's got the placement to him. While Give me Oscar Bradburn. While we're talking about punts, you watched CU Washington. Did you see the punt from Alex Kinney? Yes. That uh, I legitimately think that's the best punt I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It flew 62 yards in the air and then landed on the one-yard line and bounced directly to the right and went out of bounds. Perfectly. The, it's it's the old coffin corner punt. You used to see it often, but it was not a, from that. Di- not usually from that distance, but it used to be common for teams to to tell their punters, "Okay, get it to the sideline or right there." Don't worry about getting it anywhere on the field. If it goes out of bounds, who cares? Just go ahead and get it to the sideline. Yeah, the crazy thing was like he wasn't. I don't think he was trying to punt it exactly to the sideline. He was just trying to pin it deep, and he got that perfect. 90 degree angle mm-hmm. bounce that went straight out of bounds. Yeah, you, the the bounce is just kind of the the cherry on the Sunday yep. because you can't really rely on that. No, and I know this is a lot of discussion on punters, but I just I think it's so fascinating that Colby Wadman is in the bottom third of the league in all but one metric. Yet there has been no competition for him, save for. Justin Vogel having a sip of coffee in training camp. Why don't you have a bunch of punters in on Tuesday trying out? Zach and I talked about this last week. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It just seems like they're they're just saying, like, we have bigger problems. You know? But, yeah, Tom McMahon, I think uh, he's on the hot seat. And Vic Fangio alluded to special teams and its inconsistency. Yep. Again, at the press conference today, clearly Vic is not happy. All right, next one here is from LA, LA, LA. My dad and I have an imaginary award we give to the worst player in Denver sports from week to week, appropriately titled the Desis. <laughs> mean. <laughs> Named for everyone whose $70 million mistake, everyone's favorite $70 million mistake, Ian Desmond. Are they going to change that to the Jawans? Let's see. Special consideration is given to players who are being paid huge contracts or are blocking younger, better players while also being terrible. Notable winners of this award are, of course, Ian Desmond, Daniel Murphy, Garrett Bowles, Brian Shaw, Vance Joseph, Tory Craig, and Ian Cole. Ian Cole is an nah. outlier of that group. He's better than most of those guys. Yeah. Uh, this week, I'm proud to announce the winner is Brandon Allen. It's not his fault. He was never supposed to be the guy. And has shown he's clearly not. But there's only so many red zone interceptions I could stomach before I've seen enough. He takes 15-yard sacks every time he's there. Yeah, a little Simeon drift action there, Mace. Uh, <laughs> anytime there's pressure and had a worse passing percentage than Tim Tebow. It's time to play Drew Locke and make a plan for the draft. Anything else is a complete failure by the front office. Current apathy level, staring into the void and hearing it whisper back. Many colors of the feel-bad rainbow for Brandon Allen in that game. He had the Simeon drift. He had the back foot throws that were something that jumped out to me when I watched his preseason film of the last four seasons. Way too many back foot throws when he didn't have to do that. He wasn't under heavy pressure. And then on the red zone interceptions, as Allen copped up to, he said, hey, Cortland Sutton was supposed to stop. And on that play, I thought he was going to keep going. I messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, 
And it made sense because Cortland Sutton against Tredavious White, you've got to do some stop and goes. You've got you've got to kind of try to catch Tredavious White over pursuing a little bit. So it made complete sense on that that Cortland was supposed to stop there. It and almost kind of, and kind of let Tredavious sail past him a little bit and get and get separation that way. And you know what? If Allen had thrown it accurately, that's six. Yeah, that's a trip to Tutty Town right there. The funny thing is that um, it was a similar situation as to the touchdown pass he threw against the Browns. Mm-hmm. It was the wrong read then. It was the wrong read now. Um, if if the corner is playing, you know, he's he's past Cortland, then you throw the comeback. Yeah. It's, uh, he just he. I feel like he got a little too confident. Just wanted to take a shot. Thought Cortland would go get it, which I like that mentality. But Cortland was the smarter of the two. And effectively, that was where the game ended. You know, both quarterbacks had mistakes. You could say that because Brandon Allen's mistake cost the Broncos six points, probably the the bigger of the two, and helped decide the game. Pig tosser, 66. Wow, didn't see that coming. I know we suck letting Buffalo steamroll us into the ground for 250 yards when we know all they want to do is run and all their QB even wants to do is run. Very concerning. Not sure if it was coaching or players or a combo of both, but that was almost as pathetic as our offense. A couple more comments and questions. Number one, can someone tell me why we didn't make a push for Tannehill in the trade instead of Flacco? Because they thought Flacco was the perfect fit. Yeah. Not saying he is the answer long-term, but he sure seems like a better system fit than Flacco ever was. Guy is balling out in Tennessee with a 4-1 record since replacing Mariota. We are 6-5 and five at worst with Tannehill. One reason I, would have, I wouldn't have been gung-ho on Tannehill, but I would have felt better about him than Flacco, is with Flacco, I feel like we'd seen his best and he was on the decline. With Tannehill, there's a chance that this guy can get better. There's a, he's young enough to where he still has some improvement potentially in him if you get things right. Yeah, I mean, he's been impressive. And he shows the characteristics that we usually like uh, in these guys, which is, you know, being able to move around. He's got a strong arm. He's got, you know, there's a reason he was a former first-round pick. You know who really likes Ryan Tannehill? Who? Gary Kubiak. Yes. They're both A&M guys. Yeah, Aggies. Yeah. Number two, please, Broncos, finally stop trotting Brandon Allen out as our starting QB. He deserved a chance and got it, but now it's over. Even before watching him throw flutter balls in that wind yesterday, you could see he did not have the arm to make necessary NFL throws. His completions have usually been to wide-open guys, except for Button, except for Sutton bailing him out with that sick catch versus the Browns. Very few tight window throws and has nothing on his deep outs. Yeah, the line was trash yesterday, but there were plays out there to be made that a QB with some arm talent would have made. I know a guy. Later, boys. Um, the last Flutter pass, balls into the wind. Man. Yeah, the last pass that he threw, and it, the way it just kind of flowed up there, and it looked like it left his hand funny. It was one of the saddest passes I've seen in an NFL game. And also, I can tell you this. I picked the Broncos to win. We all picked the Broncos to beat the spread. Did you have them winning outright? Yep. Okay. The moment I woke up, looked out the window, and saw the flag basically stiff in the breeze on Sunday morning, I knew I had made a mistake. Because the one thing that Josh Allen has that was his primary attribute was 
the arm talent that allowed him to have a lot of velocity on the ball, even through foul weather conditions like you see in November and December in western New York. Brandon Allen does not have that sort of arm talent. So I remember Dan Fouts explaining this so well. If you throw tight spirals, they're going to have a better chance of cutting through the wind on a day like that, and clearly they did for Josh Allen. And with Brandon Allen, not as much zip on the ball. The wind on a day like that is going to have more an effect on him than it does on a quarterback like Josh Allen. So if I could have done it over on Sunday morning, I would have changed my pick to the Bills just based on the weather alone. Next one's from Boucher all day. He says, let's just live in a hypothetical world for a minute, hypothetical world for a minute, where Tua doesn't want to see his draft stock drop because of his injury and decides one more year of college like Herbert. How would that shake the draft board for everyone, including the Broncos, if Drew isn't the guy? Also, I'm convinced that Drew will play next weekend because it's the logical thing to do. But if it's Allen, then they're really going for a top three to five pick. If that's what happens, what move would you make in the draft? Let's say Chase Young falls to us like like Chubb did. Man, alive. Um, Start with um, yeah. Tua. If he did that, which I really don't see him doing, um, it's going to change things up because right now he is the – wild card right no one really knows where he's gonna go he was obviously the consensus number one guy now with the injuries you don't know where he's gonna fall there's someone is gonna say that's our guy and go get him and that makes things interesting without him you're talking about at the top of the board it's gonna be burrow and then and then what you know it really mixes things up someone's probably gonna jump up and get herbert Exactly. It'll help Herbert's draft stock. It'll probably help a Jake Fromm if he comes out or a Jalen Hurts and certainly a wild card for later in the first round and in the second round is someone like Jordan Love at a Utah State. I imagine he's going to get a senior bowl invitation and someone like him could rise up draft boards if he goes down to Mobile and balls out. And he's Hurts, one who could yeah, benefit. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, uh, the more I watch Jalen Hurts, the more I love him. I'll say this. Uh, He's got it. We, you know, it's funny that Vic Fangio said, I think Brandon Allen has some of that it. I didn't see that with Brandon Allen. I see it with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has it. Get into, I'll get in, we'll obviously get into a lot more of this type of stuff as we approach draft season. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. You know, this time of year is when NFL scouts really start digging and learning stuff about players. Some stuff is coming up about Justin Herbert that uh, uh, they aren't loving. A little bit of stuff that, in terms of the leadership angle, might scare you a little bit. And one thing I'll say also for um, for Tua, this is all complete guesswork until the medicals at the Combine. So I imagine when we're out there in Indianapolis that week, we're going to be able to take the temperature and get a better feel on where Tua stands than we have right now. It's basically going to be completely unknown until it starts going through the battery of medical tests that teams are going to have for him. And I imagine the Broncos are going to do medicals on Tua as well. It's kind of sad that we're sitting here in the middle of uh, the season. And Once I'm, again. In, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I can't wait for Indianapolis. That sounds so fun. This is two of the last three years. Remember last year at five and six, they were playing well. You, th- you thought, okay, you know what? That end of the season stretch – you get you go Cincinnati, San Francisco when they were having a bad year with Nick Mullins, Cleveland, Oakland, and then the Chargers at the end. At this time last year, RK, 
I was thinking they got a shot here. Yeah. They have to pull an inside straight, but they've got a shot. It's it was lining up for the Broncos. It was, yeah. But we were talking about playoff odds and who yes. had to do lose and who had to win and But then Chris got hurt, Emmanuel got hurt. Yep. And that was it. So it's just crazy to me that I'm like, oh, Mobile, I can't wait. Oh, Indianapolis. It's like we're in the middle of the season. I can't I'm wait right, for the I'm right there with you. I, I actually, we're seeing the Senior Bowl invites go out, the Shrine Game invites go out, and I'm starting to uh, pay a lot more attention now than I was a few weeks ago to who we're going to be watching and disseminating here in a few weeks. How do you fix that? You play Drew Locke, and then we're all eyes <laughs> and all ears. Next one's from Mile High Chubb. He just says, hashtag unlock the future. That is all. Uh, Andrew Karachi also says, all of a sudden, we unlock the future. I like that. Well done, Andrew. You're doing a good job with my first name. Behind enemy lines. Best way for a bad offense to shift some blame to defense. Three and outs. Worked in the Jags game, worked in the Vikings game, and worked yesterday, largely for the same reason the hurry-up hurts a defense, but without making substitutions harder. When defenses have no time to recover and catch their breath, they struggle more often than offenses at a higher tempo, which leads me to my question. Does the wordy nomenclature of offensive play calling in the current scheme hinder the prospects of running a hurry-up and make it harder for teams like the Broncos to grind down defenses? Also, how does it affect audibles? I'm used to the best quarterbacks being the ones who, regardless of arm talent and overall athleticism, walk to the line, change the play if necessary, and put the ball exactly where it needs to be based on the defense. Or is that just not a thing anymore in the era of dual-threat quarterbacks? I know Brady is in decline and all, but he and Breeze are hanging in there this season so far. What, 19-3 combined record? Here's the thing. It's, that's always going to be a huge thing for quarterbacks, no matter if they're a dual threat or not. Right. Being able to know what you're looking at and get out of it is massive. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that CU Washington game um, the other day. Without going into too much detail, I had an incredible opportunity to learn a little bit about the game plan before the game. And one of the things they said is it's going to be massive for our quarterback to be able to go up to the line and see what they do because they don't disguise it very well. And if you go back and watch that game, which mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you would, but I did last night, and I had a specific <laughs> eye on it. And Steven Montez was getting up to the line. He was getting them into calls based off what he was seeing. That is, I mean, it's like cheating. You get to see what the defense is doing and then call your play based on it. It's like being able to play Madden and watch what your, defense, what, what your opponent's going to choose. And for Peyton Manning, for example, that last year, the arm was gone. He couldn't move very well. But when he did things well, it was with his mind. It was what he saw pre-snap. The AFC Championship game, the biggest aspect of that that made a difference for the Broncos was Peyton Manning looking pre-snap and IDing the matchup that he wanted. Jamie Collins on Owen Daniels. Two touchdowns. Yep, That's massive. It's a big part of why Tom Brady and the Patriots are doing well. In fact, the, the Patriots of this year are analogous in so many ways to those Broncos of 2015. Mm. Because you watch the, the defense. Right. You watch, you got a veteran quarterback who physically you're seeing he can't make the throws that he once made. It's just not there. But he's still able to do some positive things with his brain and guile and leadership. 
And then some, there's going to come a moment down the stretch where the Patriots uh, make some big plays because of that rather than just because of what Tom Brady used to be able to do physically. Getting to that point obviously takes a, a long time, but when quarterbacks are proficient at that, after a decade or more in the league, it allows them to compensate for declining physical skills. Drew Brees has done that very well. I think uh, we'll probably start seeing that with Aaron Rodgers here as he goes on. Obviously, not a good night for him Sunday against the 49ers. Some of that, I think, is also that Kyle Shanahan is who Matt LaFleur wishes he could be. Yes, yes, 100%. But uh, by the way, that's um, common for older quarterbacks is that they learn how to do things, process better mentally, and that, that allows them to make up for the – for what they lose physically. Real quick, Aaron Rodgers almost has the same QBR under Matt LaFleur as Marcus Mariota did. That's not good. No. It's right, 55. So the real MVP of the coaching staff, even though it was a rough night for the Pac's defense last night, is Mike Pettin because that too was a team that is getting by on its defense, Most although certainly. it was shredded last night. All right, we got to speed up a little bit here because I got to cook for our company Thanksgiving tonight, oh, yes. our company Friendsgiving. Um, so we got to hu- uh, hustle up. First one, or next one here is from Brian Boz. He says, boys, apologize for the long comment in advance. Went to the game yesterday and had a great time. That's good to hear. Someone somehow was seated near a ton of Denver fans, and I think I was the only one rooting for the Bills to win. Well, no wonder you had a good time. I, w- I was questioned on my fandom and explained to them how this loss was better for the team long term. I told them I want to see Drew Locke play this year and wanted a high draft pick. Some of these people didn't even know who Drew Locke was. Yikes. So that right there showed me where they were at. The offense didn't look good, but I had imbibed quite a bit of 24-ounce cans. <laughs> and I'll tell you one thing that really stood out to me. Colby Wadman is the worst punter in the NFL and quite possibly the worst, worst punter the league has ever seen. I'm yeah. sure Mace probably knows a stat that will... Uh, I watched Ray one of those Cri- things, and I watched Ray Criswell in Tampa Bay. So no. Yep, I knew it. <laughs> really wish we had the Syracuse boys still. Yeah, me too. Uh, here's to hoping Drew starts this week. Cheers, Broncos country. He brings up an interesting point that I remember. We called that a must lose game. Why? Because we felt that if they lost that game, it would kill the Brandon Allen spark or whatever that was, and force them their hand to play Drew Locke. It's kind of all coming together just as we said it would if they lost that game. I guess you could say that the Brandon Allen flame was blown out like a candle in the wind from a blustery day in Buffalo. Yeah, good point. I'm sure I could probably, if I worked on it, do some lyrics like the old Elton John song about Marilyn Monroe back in the day. Or the little Sebastian song from Parks and Rec. That's true. The other thing on Colby Wadman, (sighs) Riley Dixon, the Syracuse guy that you referenced, Brian Boss, Brett Kern, Britton Colquitt, Former Broncos. These are all former Broncos who are doing very well. It's amazing how the Broncos can't get punter right. You and, you have eight of your games at 5,280 feet where the ball travels. What is going on? Why cannot they not get punter right? They The last time I think they had a Pro Bowl punter, I believe, was Mike Horan. They had it right. And Cole quit. Yeah. They got that one right. Well, they got it right, and then they thought, okay, we're paying him too much, but they, they and they let him go. But then they picked Riley Dixon, who was on a nice trajectory. The original sin of all this recently is Brett Kern. Yeah. Literally, you cut him at 6-0 and back in 9 in favor of Mitch Berger. And then the, yep. 
That, that sort of began um, it all. The and, thing with Riley Dixon, too, it, he's kind of a Johnny Hecker in the fact that he's also very athletic and can throw the ball really well and he's good in fakes. Yeah. It's back at Tennessee in, oh, in, in 2016, right? Yep. The fake punt pass. Yep. Next one's from Bronco Matt. Hey, guys. Well, another Monday of hope. Losing is the only enjoyable part of this season. Losing is the only reason for hope because it's the way to beat Elway into submission. Do not let Elway make the Vic the scapegoat here. I guarantee Elway is making the decision to sit lock. Vic does not have a choice in that area. I hold my stance that Locke will never play a snap for the Broncos. Elway is incapable of managing Locke. He cannot help but blow this up. Let us hope that they lose every game the rest of the year unless Locke plays. Have a great Monday. I think we're close. I think we're right there. And by the way, I will say this for those fans who question the fandom of those who are rooting for losses. No, you're rooting for Super Bowl wins for your Broncos. What brings you closer to that? You can argue that losing to get Drew Locke out there or losing for a higher draft pick actually gets you closer to winning a Super Bowl. If you're a fan, if you care, if you love this team, I don't care what you say, what you want. You're a fan. I don't yes. think that, you know, you know, it takes a lot to support a team through 14 and 30 across three seasons. If you're still riding with them, you're a fan. I think actually the thing we've seen the last couple of weeks is that you mentioned how the Minnesota loss was kind of the best possible loss. Showed some spark, kept, you know, you, you end up blowing the lead, but there were some good things to take from that. There's nothing good that you could take from the Buffalo game. That was just, you freaking sucked. <laughs> Oklahoma Bronco, 58. Actually, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one. I skipped one, sorry. Mr. Freeze. All right, so I'm going to try to stick with my positive only comments, which is why I've been absent for a while. Let's look ahead to the offseason. Vic is going to have the chance to transform the team especially the defense, into his vision. You can't expect a guy to turn around a terrible team in just one year. The team was pretty much the same one Vance ended with, and it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I think once Vic gets a few more of his type of guys and the current ones get more used to his system, you're really going to see this team shine in a couple of years, hopefully sooner. Fair to say, I think that's fair. Yeah, point. I mean, we're still, in the, we're still in the wait and see mode with Vic Fangio. Um I will say there's a few things that have happened recently that make me feel like he is a first-year head coach, but he is a first-year head coach. And he, sometimes you just have to learn through your mistakes, and that's okay. He is going to get at least next year. We know that. Um, and he deserves a chance to try and bring in more of his guys. Next one's from Oklahoma Bronco 58. Is Locks Giving on the horizon this week? I can only hope. But with it being that time of the year, what are your favorite Locks Giving dishes? Maybe the turkey, stuffing, green bean casserole, mac and cheese, or my personal favorite, the pecan pie. Either way, no fish will bring me greater joy than seeing Drew Locke, I think he meant dish, step out there on Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving to all in the DNVR fam. I would say this, Drew Locke is a Kansas City guy. So Locke's giving has to be barbecue. Ooh. What about turkey. Thanksgiving? What's your favorite? Oh, sweet potato casserole. Yum. No question. That's the southern part of me. That's delicious. I, like... Honestly, the thing I most look forward to is putting cranberry sauce on everything. And it's whether it's in the jellied in the can, which I love, or homemade, it's also good. I was saying this today. It's like the end it's like when people fight over whether the NBA or NHL is better. Like I'm just sitting over here in the corner being like, uh, both are great. Why are you guys fighting over this? That's how I feel about the cranberries. No matter how you make it, it's great. It's good on the potatoes, it's good on the sweet potato casserole, it's good on the turkey, it's good on everything. I just 
lots of cranberries on my plate. Without fail, at every Thanksgiving dinner, there are two things I always go back for second helpings on. Sweet potato casserole and cranberry sauce. Always. I, like, I always, we always talk about with Thanksgiving, like, turkey. Like, why isn't it eaten? Why, why do you never see a roast turkey in March? But then I ask myself, why don't I just always have a can of cranberry sauce around? Like, that could be a good addition to any meal. I keep one in my fridge all the time. There you go. I never so know when I'm going right. to want one. Yep. Hey, it's, it's April the 1st. April Fool's Day. I want some cranberry sauce. Yeah, so cranberry sauce. Like, you're having barbecue chicken. A little cranberry sauce can't hurt. You know what else I do that with? Cadbury Easter eggs. Uh, Zach's never had one of those. Really? Bring he's, one. Make him eat it. Yeah, he's missing out. Although, you can get them all year now. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, from Nialo. Hello, all. As we enter the final week of November, I wanted to once again raise some awareness for men's mental health. All month, I've been rocking a mustache and raising money for the awareness of men's mental health. I am just $72 short of my goal of 600. I've seen how this community can react to a call to action by how many times we've won subscriber contests. Subscribe using code Zach Mace RK and vote for DNVR in the podcast awards. Good looks. And now I'm hoping to get a little help as well. If you're able, any donation helps as I'm so close to hitting my goal. The link to donate is mobro.co slash Nihalo, which is N-J-Y-H-A-L-O. Thank you all so much. And please, for the love of God, let's see Lock next week. You can find the link uh, here in the comments and donate. And I'm sure we can help our boy get over that goal. And a great cause, awareness of men's mental health. That's something that uh, needs to be put under the spotlight a little bit more. And some of the stigma has to be taken off of that. So stigma really, is the perfect word. Really good to see you uh, uh, helping that. And uh, you know what? I'm going to get on there before the end of the month, and I'll uh, shoot a few dollars over myself. I will, too. So. H-Town Broncos still love my team, but man, we're three and eight. Why are we talking trash? Connor McGovern should be embarrassed in himself. He got what he deserved after the game, and I'm honestly getting tired of Chris Harris. I at one point loved him and almost bought his jersey. Glad I chose Chubb instead. Chris Harris just seems like the older man who is creeping up to father time and talks mad trash to other people when his team sucks, and he's always getting burned now. He always comes with backhanded comments and never takes responsibility. He should learn professionalism and keep his mouth shut sometimes. He definitely had no, quote, advice, unquote, for John Brown after the game. I don't know if I want him in the future if he's going to continue with the arrogant stuff. He should be a leader, not a bully. On another note, I'm flying home to Denver tomorrow for Thanksgiving and staying for a week with family. I wish you three a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, H-Town Bronco. Appreciate you. I was planning on trying to go to the game Sunday, but I don't know anymore. Might have a better time being with family. If they announce lock starting this week, I'll go, and I'll swing by the tailgate and introduce myself to the fam. You know, the buy-in, I think, uh, the buy-in on StubHub is fluctuating between about 46 and $60 right now for the cheapest seat in the house. That's going to go up if they say the name Drew Locke. Yeah, so you may want to do it right now. But, yeah, if you do decide to come, please come on out to our sons of our tailgate with Sons of Mile High. Of course, Lot N outside in Power Field at Mile High. If it's right near the the station on the west on the W line that goes out toward Golden, you're not more than a few steps away from from the from the stop from the stop on the on the light rail come join us breck brews good times and remember the broncos may be three and eight but the tailgate is undefeated a hundred percent the tailgate is undefeated all right mace i'm gonna call this the last one because we are running super late so if we didn't get to your question you want us to get to it feel free to copy it over 
for tomorrow. We'll have nothing but time tomorrow with the snow falling, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and this one comes in from ATL Bronco. It says, new alarm clock sound idea. The bit of Zach whispering, wake up, wake up, from a while ago, followed by, <laughs> open your eyes. I love that. Oh, man, that's good. Question, why did we call a timeout at the end of the third quarter with two seconds on the clock? Seemed foolish to allow them to have the wind at their back for a third, big third down play and waste a timeout. Your guess is as good as mine. There appeared to be some pre-snap confusion on the defensive side, but I pointed that out when it happened. Very curious timeout there, considering that if the clock runs out in the quarter, then you have the Bills operating against the wind rather than with it, although at the same time, you know they had they didn't seem to have trouble operating the, based on the direction of the wind so maybe that factor was a little bit overrated certainly the touchdown pass to John Brown for example came against the wind yep very true all right that's going to do it for us today before we get out of here I want to let you know about Denver Rubber Company Big time snowstorm coming in, which means you are going to need your snowplow up and ready to go. And Denver Rubber Company has everything you need when it comes to snowplows. They can cut to size and pre-slot snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. What they do over there is awesome. They do anything and everything that is made out of rubber, and they do it all at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them to them today for any of your snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. It's 1-800-259-0010, or you can visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. Thanks again for tuning in. Sorry we weren't able to get to all of your questions, but we will be back tomorrow, and we will get to any and everything that you copy over. So, thank you, guys. It's getting-